Warning, this show has been known to cause certain side effects in listeners and participants alike. Symptoms include a positive outlook on life, wanting to try new things, and a renewed faith in humanity. Enjoy at your own risk. Hey there, and welcome to the I Like to Like Things podcast. I'm your host, Chris, and thanks for joining me. I don't think I have to tell you that the world can be a dark and scary place for us all, and I'm here to help you get through the miasma of that negativity one episode at a time. Now, to accomplish this, I have a guest tell me about their favorite thing, and we get to share in their enthusiasm. Now, the catch is I'm not already a fan of their thing. However, I've learned that it's easy to like something as long as I had an excited person explaining why it was great. And so this podcast and all its potential positive feelings is born from that. Now for today's episode, uh, we have a new pod brother, a new friend, the host of the Genuine Chit Chat and the Star Wars Comics and Canon Podcasts, Mike Burton. Mike, how's it going? It's going well. Yeah, really well. Thank you. Um, it's great to be here. And I just want to say, I listened to your show after we sort of connect on social media. And I think the premise of the show is top notch. And the sheer positivity from not only uh, the video where you have <laughs> guests, but also the response videos uh, that you do release is just, it's amazing. I just, thank you for allowing me to come on the show, but also thank you for just spreading positivity. Because on my shows, I do try and do that in when I can, but I just think it's so you know life can be rubbish enough as it is at points so it's, it's so nice to try and actively have a more positive outlook on things and i just think from my experience when one tries to do that everyone around is just happier so just thank you for having that sort of outlook i i, I love it it's great i mean does that put a smile on my face that just that just brightens my day thank you so much i it is a practice because my last show that i was on um, was a was a movie podcast that, and I did it for a couple years and I had a blast doing it. But um, we did we did uh, make fun of things and we dumped on movies and we we criticized them and and it was after the end of it towards the end of the show I found myself trying to be more positive about the the movies that we were watching and try and pick out the positive. And my lifestyle I am I am a more positive guy like I'm pretty upbeat. It takes a lot to get me down. But then once we started doing this show, I found myself always trying to find the good in things and it became something that just became a habit. It wasn't easy at first, but after a while it really built up um, like the practice makes perfect kind of mentality. And it changed the way that I posted on social media. It changed the way that I reacted to friends. And like I always was, always was trying to think of the positive way. But man, it, it was a tough transition to make sure that you're trying to always be positive. So I'm glad that it really shows through. That makes me really happy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things where, I mean, I not to get all deep and dark on this thing, but I basically, one, my dad passed away when I was like 19. And from that point, like that was several years ago now, and I talk about it on my podcast a fair amount. So it's not something that upsets me to talk about anymore. But because of that event, I had to reevaluate how I looked at things a lot. And from that, I came out the other side going, mm-hmm. Life sucks enough as it is for a lot of people, and especially in that part of my life. Right. So I'm just going to try and make an effort to be a happier person, be more optimistic. I could always focus on the negative, and you'll just get stuck in a hole doing that. So from that horrible thing happening, I've had a more optimistic outlook. And I want to say that even though that was one of the worst parts of my life, it's one of the best things that happened to me because the amount of positive things that have happened in my life since then, just from 
my mindset changing and me being, I'm going to try and look at the best in people. I'm going to try and look at the best in situations. I'm going to, as you say, you know, try and look at the things I enjoyed about the movie rather than what I didn't enjoy. Just lots of those little things. You find that people around you bounce off that energy. And it just, as I say, it makes everyone and everything happier. And so it's, it's just one of those things where more people should make an active effort to try to. I know it's not always easy and there's a lot of times where it can't be, no, but yeah. it is one of those things that, yeah, I 100% agree. Just one, when you start on that path, things that you wouldn't expect to get better just do. And a lot of it is the way you interact with people and friendships and relationships and things. It's just, mm -hmm. yeah, trying to put a smile on your own face normally puts a smile on other people's faces, which then gives you like a, a real smile in, in a way. So it, it's like a, a positive <laughs> right. feedback loop infinitely. Yeah, that, that's so powerful though, Mike. That, that's just such a, what a way to, to make your life better out of something that could have really, really, really dragged you down. Like that, such a traumatic event that caused positivity. That's powerful, and I and I think that, that it reflects really well on your character. And um, gosh, that that that's something I think we all could learn too every day. Uh, it, one of the things too that I think is really good is that we just had a conversation right off, off air about Star Wars, and we both were having <laughs> such a good time talking about it. Which is not always the case when it comes to Star Wars fans. It's it's known as one of the most toxic fandoms in in the mm -hmm. world, and for us two two relative strangers that have only heard each other talk on podcasts, um, to have a real good civil positive conversation about something that's usually very very toxic, <laughs> I think that shows <laughs> I think that shows great growth for both of us. <laughs> A hundred percent. I mean, I, I obviously I've got my Star Wars podcast and the whole kind of goal with it was like, I know there are a lot of aspects of Star Wars people don't like. I, I like every Star Wars film. You know, I do like some more than mm -hmm. I like others for different reasons. But it, it's easy to jump on a bandwagon of just hating stuff. You know, I, I, I've been called a Star right. Wars apologist a lot <laughs> because I'm just like, I know <laughs> that this part isn't good or this part, but everyone right. knows that part isn't good. You know, let's try and focus on the positive stuff. Right. Let's try and, you know, so a hundred percent with you. Like I... If someone, if you did start slating Star Wars, I would jump on with you, and I'd be like, "Okay, we're on a slating Star Wars jump. Yeah. Let's do this." But like, <laughs> it's all about kind of reading the other person's energy, and it's just, yeah, because right. you've been so positive about it. I was like, "Yes, I, pr I prefer being positive about Star Wars, especially because right. I, I just love it so much." Yeah. So I'm really happy that it opened up with a good thing. So thanks for that. <laughs> well, like, I think like the biggest one. Let's just, I, and I think I've even brought this up on this show, even about Star when we're not even talking about Star Wars, is is Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> <laughs> one of the most derided characters of all time, and um, one of, like people they hate that character. You know who doesn't hate that character? My two daughters, my two little, mm -hmm. my little daughters. From being a little kids watching Jar Jar, they thought he was absolutely hilarious. They think everything mm -hmm. he does is funny. They laugh at everything he's on. They want more Jar Jar, and we have to realize, like, oh, that's right. Jar Jar wasn't for us adult people watching this. It was for the kids. Mm -hmm. And if we can get past that and like realize that like there are some people that find, uh, I think another one is is the Canto Bite uh, scenes in The Last Jedi. Mm -hmm. I didn't like those that much. If you ask my oldest daughter what her favorite scene in a Star Wars movie is, it's those scenes because of like with the um, what are those big uh, like horse wolf things that are riding you know what I'm saying? at oh, the I end of that scene yeah i should know this yeah but I, I can't remember yeah <laughs> i think it's i think it starts with an f that is her that whole mm. scene le and leading up to it she says that's her favorite scene in star wars and so it's like okay that's right 
everybody of different ages and different backgrounds and everything is going to like different scenes. And so you're going to enjoy things for different reasons. I think people kind of get the Star Wars uh, comics and canon podcast and then Genuine Chit Chat. What are your shows really focused on? Yeah, so Genuine Chit Chat, I started uh, at the time of recording this about three and a half years ago. So it, a while ago now. And it was basically came from, uh, in brief when I was younger, I've always had some sort of creative outlet. I used to have a YouTube show with a friend of mine. Then I made music videos for bands for a little bit. Uh, and then I just... I kind of had this hole after after a little bit. I stopped doing some of those things. And I was like, I just kind of need something. I didn't really know what. And I'm known to all my friends as the extroverted chatterbox. I think the quote is the most common one for me is, why don't you have an off switch? You know, it's that sort of thing because I'm just so talkative all the time. <laughs> and sometimes too much. Um, so what I did is I, I was talking to my friends and one of them just said, why don't you just start a podcast? You like talking so much. Just, you know, feed it through. And so... I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. And Genuine Chit Chat, I have a different guest on each episode. And my favorite thing in the world is talking to someone when they're passionate about things. It's kind of a similar vein to your show, but not quite as uh, focused in that realm. But my favorite thing is when you talk to someone and they're passionate and you see their eyes light up with right. the, just how excited uh -huh. they are to talk about it. And they, you know, they talk faster and this, that, and the little mannerisms about them. And I found that that was one of my absolute favorite things about talking to people. I just, I love it when someone else is passionate, especially when it's about something they don't often get to talk about too much. And so my show kind of, that was the general basis. I was like, I just want to talk to people that I know and I'm friends with about stuff they really like or opinions they have or whatever. You know, early episodes are about like traveling and a few other things, etc. And then as the show grew, I just, I had a wider reach from people and I could just talk to whoever I, well, not whoever I wanted exactly. I'm not quite, I'm not quite Joe Rogan famous, but like I can reach out and talk to people. And it's one of those things where I just talk to people I want to have a conversation with. But if I contact people and right. go, hey, do you want to talk to me for you know two hours on Zoom? They're going to be like, no. <laughs> but if I go, ah, if I record it and put it on the internet, will you do it? People are like, yeah, of course. So like I, I spoke to Claudia Gray, who's like a Star Wars author late last year, and she was just the absolute best. And that was like a highlight of my podcasting career. And there's, there's like bands that I've just really got into and I just you know message them or email them or whatever and they go yeah I'll come on your show and it's like seriously like I'm excited as a fan just to be able to ask all these questions that I want to know as a fan and it's just loads of different things there's been authors uh, actors filmmakers and I've met so many cool people through it and it's just it went from being a hobby to now being something that I couldn't imagine not doing because I've grown so much as a person from doing it not only conversationally you know I've, I've learned to you know, to be a good host and to be a good conversationalist, you have to listen as much as you have to talk. If not, you have to learn to listen more, you know. That was my big thing. And so it just kind of culminated and over the years is basically just I talk to people and they're passionate about stuff, or people that I'm I want to I have questions for that I can't find answers to. That's normally that's the kind of premise of the show and it's a massive variety of guests. You know, one week I'll have uh, someone on. I had a chat with my friend for like two hours about the concept of good or evil. And then like a few weeks uh, before that, as I said, I spoke to Claudia Gray, the Star Wars author. Before that, I've spoken to all kinds of different people uh, about different things. So there's a blind Australian filmmaker called Goff, who's one of my favorite people to talk to. <laughs> He's been on the show like three or four times. And it's just like the most random people that you wouldn't normally contact in the normal world. And obviously speaking to someone like you, Chris, is like, if I wasn't in some of the podcasting groups that uh, we're both in and I hadn't seen like sort of your posting and things, we wouldn't be having this conversation. And like, we haven't even fully got into the the thing that I'm really passionate about and I'm already loving it. So it's just that, <laughs> that side of things really. 
the best parts of conversations, it, you know? Podcasting becomes such an all-consuming thing because of how much it actually adds to your life as opposed to takes out of it. Mm -hmm. And so for me, like, the when you stop podcasting is when it's taking more from you than when it's giving to you. And, like, podcasting is only ever given to me. So I'm glad that you totally get that. Like, you understand, like, you meet new people and, like, you, you create new best friends. And what's really fun mm -hmm. about meeting podcasters, uh, fellow podcasters, is that they're all... Um, even if they're introverted or extroverted or or anything, anything in between, they all want to talk and they're used to listening and conversing in such a great way that every conversation that you have with a podcaster ends up being one of the best conversations you've ever had. And whether it's <laughs> on air or off air, like you just have so much in common. And even if it's just that base of podcasting, um, yeah, it's it's a really powerful, powerful thing. It's been a really fun time talking to you two already, just uh, on social media. When you sent me your list of things, um, <laughs> everything on the list was something that I was already super duper into. So it ended up being kind of like, okay, well, let's just be friends then, because this is this is really easy. Uh, the only thing that was on there that I wasn't, because I don't have any, is tattoos. And I almost, so I was talking with Elise, and she was. Uh, we're like, okay, how do we do the, a response episode to tattoos without getting one ourselves? Because we don't have any <laughs> tattoos, and I don't know if we're ready for that yet. But one one day, maybe. One day, maybe. Um, but it's like, we really like tattoos. We love tattoos on people. I think when you were on camera, the first thing I said, besides your great hair, was like, oh, let me see your tattoos. And they're amazing. He has some incredible tattoos on there. And like I love them, but I don't know if I can get one myself. Okay, well, let's just launch into it. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you now, Mike. What is your thing? Okay, yeah. So my thing, and funnily enough, I haven't spoken about this on my podcast that much, is a renaissance of me loving it has come back into fruition, is... It's called Sherlock. And a lot of people know who Sherlock Holmes is, the, you know, the famous uh, well, fictional de detective by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. But uh, more specifically, it's the BBC show starring Benedict Cumberbatch or Benedict Cabbage Patch or whatever you want to call him. His last name is very fun to interchange. And uh, Martin Freeman. And um, it's a BBC show. And it's it started in 2010. Um, it No one knows if there's going to be another season or not, but the, the most recent season was series four in 2017. And I, I'm a massive fan of TV series and movies and relatively everything. Um, but this show really, uh, I don't know what it was. Well, I do know what it was about it. But at the time, I didn't quite know what it was that really called to me about the show. And I just, I love it. And I've been re-watching it. This was a good excuse to do this show. I've been re-watching it with uh, my girlfriend, Megan, who she hasn't uh, seen it. And I've got all the seasons uh, on Blu-ray Steelbook, Collector's Edition, all that sort of stuff. And this is one of my all-time favorite series. You know, I love Breaking Bad. It's amazing. I love most of Game of Thrones. Uh, I love a lot of different things. But, like, Sherlock, for me, is the most different show I've seen, and it has my favorite interpretation of uh, Sherlock Holmes. Um, because, obviously, I, I assume most people have either at least heard of the Robert Downey Jr. movies by Guy Ritchie, uh, Sherlock Holmes and Sherlock Holmes' Game of Shadows, with Jude Law in it as well. And they're good. I haven't got a problem with them. Game of Shadows has an amazing slow-motion scene halfway through it. But the series that, that this is, I think, is just a step above 
everything else I've seen. I know there's a show called Elementary as well um, with Lucy Liu and Johnny Lee Miller, I think it is. And uh, I just think that this is the ultimate way to consume Sherlock in modern day, essentially. Yeah, it's, it's like I think everybody is very familiar with some type of Sherlock Holmes character. Whether yeah. that's... I, I, th- I think, if I remember correctly, it's the most played character in cinema and, and television mm-hmm. history. Like, that's that character yeah, itself it has been... And, uh, I mean, you go back, I think Christopher Lee was Sherlock for, for a while, which Chris, I think so. Mm-hmm. Christopher Lee is just such a legend. Oh, my gosh. And then, yeah, you have all these... <laughs> like, even down to recently, my, my girls were watching uh, a Sherlock Gnomes movie, a cartoon oh, yeah. that, about <laughs> garden gnomes. We actually were... We were big fans of the elementary TV show. Um, we watched mm. probably the first five, four or five seasons... And then it eventually just kind of became. We didn't know where they could go with it. Like and like it was compelling television. Yeah. Uh, I think Johnny Lee. We love Lucy Liu. Johnny Lee Miller is a, actually. I think he's super underrated. I really liked him. So so what makes this one? I, and it, the the weird thing is, I love TV too. We love BBC television. Like we, uh, mm-hmm. my my oldest daughter and I are going through Doctor Who again. Nice. And just to, to enjoy that. What did we just finish? Uh, oh, IT Crowd. We just watched that for the for yep. the next time. Classic. Like, we we loved we loved Spaced. I just watched Spaced for the first time. Really enjoyed uh, that. Love it. And so like Classic. there there are very right. I mean they're all so good. All these B, anytime a BBC show comes out, my my in laws. It's hilarious. They don't watch like murder mysteries or whatever. They are addicted to BBC mm. like uh, murder mysteries. Like they love them. Mm. And so. But for some <laughs> reason, the Sherlock BBC series has completely escaped us. I don't know why. We 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 love Benadryl um, Benadryl Crumblebottom. Love that guy. We, we love everything that he's in, and uh, everything that he's in. We we love it. So I don't know why this one uh, escaped us. How many episodes per series are there? That's what I was going to say, is I can tell you exactly why it's missed you. Because it's the... Po- Here, here's a little thing with British TV compared to American TV. I'm sure you've noticed with the sitcoms, is as much as I love many American sitcoms, you know, US Office, Parks and Rec, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Good Place, loads of... I could name them, but obviously the show isn't. Let's just have Mike name loads of American shows he's watched. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, <laughs> a lot of the time, apart from the first season, normally there's, like, you know, 20, 25, sometimes, like, 30 episodes. British TV doesn't do that. We don't have right. a year's worth of TV. We have... What we like to think is as much as we need. The UK office <laughs> is two six episode seasons. <laughs> it's like, you know, with like the. I love the US office, don't get me wrong, but it's like nine yeah. seasons, there's like 20 plus episodes every. And it's, right, there's so right. much of it to consume. UK office, there's two seasons, each have like six episodes, I think, and there's like one or two Christmas specials. And that's it. That's the whole. Like, the, the, the second season of the US office is longer than all of the UK office. So. With um, this version of Sherlock, it's basically 
they release one season every like two years and each season has three episodes but each episode is an hour and a half long which is basically oh, like you know two episodes of whatever normal thing and the thing okay. is it started in 2010 i've got this written down because i did a small amount of research just to be sure um so season one was 2010 and then series two 2012 season three 2014 and then season four was 2017 so there's like big jumps of time where there was just no sherlock content and there's only three episodes per season so the thing is is that Although, I won't say which one because I don't want to spoil it, but there's one episode of Sherlock I actually don't like that much. I won't say where it is or anything like that because I don't want to give anyone some uh, you know, preconceptions about it. But I think when you see the whole season, you'll, the whole series, you'll know what it is and why. But I just think that the way... I like Robert Downey Jr.'s version of Sherlock Holmes. I think he's cool. But the version of Sherlock that Benedict Cumberbatch does is so amazing. And Martin Freeman, obviously... He started off in the UK office. He's um, people oh, he's probably know most from Bilbo Baggins. Oh, from, I, lo- um, I love Martin Freeman. Yeah, from love. Oh, oh, the Hobbit movies. Yeah, and I, lo- I saw him from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which is my, f- one of my favorite films ever. And he's in that. And obviously, Bendit Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman, they, they've both been in stuff before Sherlock. But Sherlock 2010, it was so big, it really jump-started their careers. From there, they've been, they've both got into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, they both were in the Hobbit films because obviously Bendit Cumberbum was uh, Smaug and he had <laughs> motion capture for it and everything. So it's like, you get the, the reason that these people are in the MCU, the reason you see them everywhere is because they're incredible actors. And a lot of it, from what I can tell from looking online, comes from their appearances in Sherlock because the everyone generally knows who Sherlock is he's a brilliant detective but the way he's portrayed in this is such a cleverly balanced character that has so many traits that you'd go I don't like this guy you'd think if you met him he'd be insufferable you'd go how could anyone like him but you see these glimpses these little moments and you know he's brilliant and he's incredibly intelligent but you have these little moments and you go okay I like him a little bit more okay right i like him a little bit more and by the end of it you're like i love him nothing bad should ever happen to sherlock it's like but you watch it at the start you're like this guy's annoying as hell but the way that martin freeman as uh, dr john watson the way he bounces off sherlock and when sherlock does certain things which are just like ah uh that's kind of you know uh you shouldn't do that sort of thing that's really kind of a dick move and it's like but john watson calls him out on it he doesn't just go along with everything that Sherlock does. So you've got this funny balance where Sherlock is being really obnoxious and rude to someone. And Martin Freeman's character, John Watson's there being like looking, giving these perfect reaction faces like Jim in the <laughs> office. And, you know, Martin Freeman basically started off in the UK office as the same character Jim from the office plays, basically. Um, and so he just gives these certain looks occasionally. And he's just like, you're walking away and he's got his head in his hands. And he's just like, Sherlock, why did you talk to them like that? Or Sherlock, you wonder why no one likes you. This is the reason. And, he, and Sherlock's like, well, I just told them this and this. And it's like, yes, you don't tell people things like that about them. It's just these, he looks at someone and in seconds, he's just got people he looks at them and he can tell you what you've eaten for the last three days where you've been everything about you and people get really freaked out about it and he reveals really personal details about certain people um like i won't spoil it okay but there's there's just so many cool moments there's one part where he notices rug burns on someone's knees and i won't say anything more than that but that springs off a whole conversation as well so there's just this dynamic between them that's like the perfect british bromance in a way 
So, so a lot of the success of it to you is the chemistry between Martin Freeman and Breckenridge mm -hmm. Crabapple. Like those two, th that's what really brings it together for you. Well, no, and I think that that's really good because like most of the time, the, the Watson character in almost everything ends up being kind of like the dumb guy that just like, oh, wow, Sherlock, you're amazing. Like that's normally what it is. So yeah. Martin Freeman, he pushes back against that and, be, and, and makes, mm -hmm. and in the process, makes Sherlock more approachable in a way or or like mm -hmm. makes it to where yeah. it's not just he doesn't just steamroll everybody um and i think that's really really yeah. good and exactly gosh now now that you're saying it 2010 i don't other than like the uk office i don't think i'd seen either of those two in anything mm -hmm. and now they're just they're in so much they're in so many things now and Sherlock's the reason for that. Yeah. Like, I, I, hands down. Like, you, you actually... I went on IMDb and stuff, and I looked at their careers, because I was like... I know Martin Freeman. He was in, like, one or two things before The Office. He was in, like, a couple of small soap operas, you know, as, like, one character with barely any lines, or things like that. Right. You know, they, they've both been in lots of little things before that, and there's the odd thing that you probably would recognise them in. Right. Uh, there's a film called Four Lions that's quite controversial, and Benedict Cumberbatch is in that as a police officer of some sort. And it's like... You see the glimpses of them but you never really get a chance to see them shine and then you look at the career trajectory you get Charlotte, you get the office for uh, Martin Freeman and his career starts to go up and then you get Sherlock 2010 and it's like an, it's like a bomb goes off and from there you see both their careers you've got the Hobbit you've got the MCU you've got them in their own crazy indie things you've got them doing mental stuff and is one of those things that Sherlock spring-loaded them and it showed off the talents that they have as actors and the thing is is there's a whole sporting cast that are all excellent as well. But because it modernises Sherlock in a lot of ways, in all the right ways, you know, there's certain little elements, like there's a lot of uh, texting, like Sherlock doesn't really talk to people on the phone, so he texts a lot. And the editing and cinematography of the show is excellent because it's one of those things that I know is in hundreds of shows now, but like when someone has got their phone and they're texting and you see like a lip, like text appear in the air, you know, post-production, and it says what they're texting. Like that was in Sherlock from 2010. There's loads of when he's like at a crime scene he's looking at stuff when he notices something that might be significant the word just it's quite small in just white letters pops up just not like oh. subliminal messaging but like he looks at like a, a door handle that's rusted ever so slightly and it just says rust question mark and he's looking around and the good thing is about the show is that I found with other episode, uh, other Sherlock stuff, you watch it and he's like a whirlwind that you couldn't even comprehend catching up with and you kind of have to just kind of let him get to the end and then he reveals everything and you're like I wouldn't have got any of that. In this, what it does cleverly is Watson is a clever person in this. He was, um, I don't know if it's the true, air quotes, true version of Watson, but he was a medic in the army. So at crime scenes, he knows generally what wounds have been inflicted, how long someone's been uh, dead it. for, all these sorts got of things, it. which adds a layer in itself. And when they're at together, to begin with, Watson's like, you know, um, oh my God, you're brilliant. How did you do that? You know, the first episode, he is kind of wrapped up in the whole, wow, Sherlock is brilliant. By the end of the first episode, all of the, uh, almost the shine of something new has gone. And it's just left with, oh, he is brilliant in all these ways, but he is really, really insufferable. <laughs> but the whole time you're you're going through like Watson, like Watson is your, your key. He like, there's some episodes where Sherlock sends Watson off to do things and you're watching Watson try and piece it together and you're trying to piece it together at the same time and you kind of maybe get an idea. And then at the end, Sherlock will come in and be like, 
oh, what do you find out, Watson? And Watson will be like, oh, blah, 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 blah. And um, Sharp will be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you missed, you know, like 80% of what I needed, but that that's fine. And he's like, wait, how did you know this? He's like, oh, I've been following you this entire time. Like, I've, I've got all this stuff. I've worked this thing out, like, weeks ago. I just want to see if you could do it. <laughs> it's just that sort of humour with them. And, you know, it's a very British show, and it's all set in London and stuff, but it's just the mixture between the cinematography, bringing it to modern era... The, the bromance, the relationships with Sherlock and Watson, but also other characters that do come into it, which are very subtle and very clever. That, as well as there only being 12 episodes, there's a Christmas special called The Abdominal Bride. Do not watch that, anyone. Like, just saying, I personally am really not a fan of that, and it doesn't add anything to any of the plot at all, um, so don't watch that. But the main seasons, <laughs> there's only four of them, three episodes per one, and they're all just excellent. They're just there's not too much and I find that a lot of American shows you watch it and you go oh this is awesome like you said of elementary you go, yeah this is really cool and then you get to that series 4 or 5 like I had it with True Blood which I really like but I got to that series 4 and I'm just like where are they going with this and you finish it and you go this could have probably been half maybe even a quarter of the length and Sherlock is there's no fat there's no filler it's just brilliance the whole way through so it almost works as like a something like the um you're getting a couple of movies, so it almost with that length, they're able to basically. They're, it, well, I think what it is too, they're able to put a lot more into each episode, and I think that that's something that you yes. see in marquee television on like Netflix or like you're seeing with like Mandalorian and WandaVision on Disney Plus and those things, where you're only getting like nine to ten episode seasons. Um, I was just talking to somebody about mm -hmm. The Witcher, and like you're, I think there's only ten episodes in The Witcher, mm -hmm. yeah. and then similar like when you're watching something like Game of Thrones, like there's not that many episodes in each season, but each episode you're getting mm -hmm. you're getting more special effects budget, you're getting more um, you know all the different the budget for each since since you're having less episodes, you're able to put more in each one of those episodes, um, and. Uh, I I prefer shorter seasons. <laughs> I know I'm one of the few Americans that that Same. is like that. I am not a binge watcher by any means. I don't like to watch things like it, it like tons of them in a row. It cheapens it in my opinion when I'm watching. I know other people. Same. I know I know other people don't agree with me. I'm glad that you agree. But like when people, I have a friend and he <laughs> he didn't watch The Mandalorian season one until the show was over so that he could watch the whole thing at once and i'm like you are you don't you don't get it like you get to sit enjoy digest <laughs> talk about it um with your friends uh, discuss like mysteries and you get to it gets to sit with you and so a shorter season for me especially for a show that's kind of already been out it just means that like okay each episode is digestible each season is digestible. Uh, it's all within reach. And then, like, it, one of the hardest things for me was I was a late comer to Breaking Bad. And Breaking Bad has, you know, how many episodes per season? A ton, usually. And they're, and so when people, when I started watching Breaking Bad, everyone's like, oh, you didn't finish it? Like, no, I, I watched a couple episodes. Well, don't you like it? And it's like, no, I, I, it's a really good show. I really enjoy it. And they're like, well, why didn't you finish like the whole season in one day? It's like, well, because you know I have to, um, I have to like live. But there, if you rush through for me, it feels like you're, <laughs> it feels like there's a hole that's left over when you finish something like that. So I like to savor it. Mm -hmm. So 
Uh, I like that you I'm said... Same. I'm exactly the same as you. The funniest thing you could ever say to me is that that the British TV shows are, you know, that's enough. That's that's as much as we need. That's so funny. It's a, the difference between American culture and everybody else's is so funny. Like, give us as much as you can. We want a thousand episodes of this show. Give us, give it all to us. It's so funny. So, so there's three or four episodes per per season. I just looked, and it is on Netflix as of right now, at least. So that's that's really good. I don't have to yep. pay for it, which I love. I love not having to pay for it. <laughs> I, I I don't remember, and this is just me being in pop culture and understanding. Isn't there an episode where like they're in the 1800s? Isn't that a, an episode in there? That's the Christmas okay. special. Is that is that? Yeah, that's the Christmas uh-huh. special, which is the Abdominal Bride, which I say to skip, because it, I won't spoil why. Uh, but basically, there's each episode is its own case right. in a sense. You know, mm-hmm. it's its own specific thing that Sherlock's doing. But as to, especially towards the end of series one, there's this little thread, and you can see it happening. And the series, the, the finale of series one specifically, you know, brings it to light. And then series two and series three, they've got this thread mm. running through it which is causing a lot of these uh, disturbances and whatnot. And the thing is, is that that Christmas special, it, it doesn't it doesn't connect to anything else. It's this really weird episode that it doesn't add anything. It's almost just like they went, hey, let's just... Because Sherlock is known to be from you know, right. the 1800s or whatever, and obviously a lot of the media out about Sherlock is from that era, because obviously that's when it was written... They were like, let's just do this for a bit of fun. And I haven't got a problem with them doing it for fun. I haven't got a problem with anyone who enjoys it. But I feel like it doesn't add anything. And when I watched it, it actually took me out of Sherlock so much. I was like, am I even looking forward to the next season? Because they released that like, I I think it was either between series two and three or between series three and four. I think it was between series three and four. And there's a cliffhanger that happens. And you think this Christmas special is going to answer the cliffhanger, but it doesn't at all. And it just... (laughs) <laughs> kind of wastes time like you know you know Breaking Bad there's right. an episode called The Fly oh, have you, have you that, seen all of Breaking it's Bad the, just it's that just terrible bottle episode you're just stuck and it's just the dumbest thing yes yeah that episode is what the Abdominal Bride is like unfortunately uh, as much as I love Sherlock in all, all facets and things it's just one of those things where if you finish Sherlock you could then go and watch that Christmas special and it would be probably all right. But because, you you know, cliffhanger. I can't wait to see what they do. Oh, Christmas special. Oh, it doesn't add anything. It just is weird, nonsensical kind of. And then you're just left with nothing. It's just, I didn't like it in that sort of way. So skip <laughs> that. But watch uh, yeah, watch series one, two, three, and four because they are there's some brilliant names that you'll that'll pop up in it and certain uh-huh. uh, actors and things and it's it's just one of those shows that is unlike really anything else I've seen before it's so interesting too that you say that about those it's it since your seasons are so short and you're looking forward to these shows so much when you get something like that that the that Christmas special it's a waste it's a waste of mm-hmm. the Sherlock time the small Sherlock amount of time that you're getting right like you feel like <laughs> why yeah why are you wasting my time with this this isn't what we want don't do that um i i always love the concept i love the concept <laughs> of the bbc christmas special the christmas special because it's unlike anything in american television because like we have christmas specials in in every you know every episode every season of a show will probably have the christmas episode but a bbc christmas special is for lack of a better word they're special like they do something 
Um, it's something big, it's something extra, like of course being a Doctor Who fan, the Christmas specials are usually always where they reveal something huge, they pull out all the stops, they bring other, like it's, it's sometimes in, in, in the BBC, it, like this, the, that's where the Doctor regenerates, you meet the new Doctor in the Christmas specials and things like that. Mm -hmm. So like the concept of the BBC Christmas special is something that's I don't see in any other type of television. I think it's amazing and I love it. Um, I wish more. I wish people would do it more. It's it's a weird one, especially with the UK office that we mentioned. Like the finale of the UK office is the Christmas special, and it's regarded as one of the best episodes of any sitcom ever. And that, like, I want to. That's not coming from right. me. Like, I really like the UK office. It is brilliant, but it's not one of my favorite shows at all. Like, not by a long shot. It's just a really brilliant show. But that Christmas special is just regarded as. Yeah, one of the best uh, sitcom episodes ever because it's just got so much to it. And yeah, Christmas over here like is because we're not flooded with content right. in the same way. Nowadays it's slightly different, but like it's it's different. On Christmas Day, you know, you watch the Queen's Address, you watch the Doctor Who special episode, you watch this episode. You know, whenever there's an ongoing series like Sherlock, you know, when the Christmas special came out, everyone was so pumped and excited for it. But with yeah, with Doctor Who, where it's this big milestone, and with like the UK office, it's like the finale. It's like I think Gavin and Stacey as well. They've done one or two Christmas specials, and it, it it's an important chapter. You you can't miss the Christmas special. Normally, it's one of the big reveals or the big season starts or ends. But with Sherlock, it's not. And I appreciate what they were trying to do. And I'm sure it is probably good when I if when I rewatch it. But my expectation of the other Christmas specials of it being so important and it right. wasn't took it away from me a little bit but I will quickly say I agree with you completely I'm not a binger either I like to watch one maybe two episodes of right. a certain episode of a certain series or something with Megan we'll watch one or two in that night and then we'll watch another one or two maybe the next uh -huh. night maybe not for a couple of nights because we right. digest it we talk about it we think what we want to do next rather than going this Saturday we're going to watch <laughs> 12 hours of one show because right. some of my friends do it and they like I talk to them like, oh yeah but right. Bojack Horseman is a great show I love it it's a lot shorter but I speak to some of my friends and I'm like oh I'm I'm now on series you know, I finished now but I'm like oh I'm on series 6 and this just happened and they're like when's that again oh I can't really remember because I watched the whole right? season in one day yes. and it's all just it's, this big blur for me yes like, why would you watch <laughs> you're ruining it for yourself <laughs> like I, I had the conversation I don't want to derail it too much but they had the conversation with certain people uh, friends of mine that I love and we'll talk about like the difference between and I'm just using this as an example like Mandalorian versus The Witcher now I know they have nothing in common but The Witcher mm -hmm. I love The Witcher series mm -hmm. but it just came it went it got dropped and I think it could have been the successor to Game of Thrones that everyone hoped it would be but unlike Game of Thrones mm -hmm. which was just a cultural phenomenon The Witcher got dropped and everyone was able to watch the whole thing at once and it wasn't get, it didn't get digested and talked about and discussed mm -hmm. and all the different mysteries that can happen and then whereas like with The Mandalorian which came out around the same time you were getting like okay well who's Baby Yoda? What is this? I don't understand. And then like you talk about it. It gets mm -hmm. into the public domain. It gets into the, the public consciousness. It gets into that like pop culture zeit. Yeah. And so, 100%. yeah. And so with, with the, sh with Sherlock it being so the season's so short and the time in between, like it gives you time to talk about it a ton. Um, and I, I really appreciate that. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I want to know what is your favorite episode? 
um, of this. Um, just so like, and it's okay if it's the first one, the last one, but when I get to it, I want to be like, oh, this is Mike's favorite one. It's it's series three, episode two. I won't ruin what happens in it, but it's known as the wedding episode. And I just, I love it. It's, it's yeah, it's pure, uh, undiluted, the things I love about oh, that's great. Sherlock. It, it's just, it, it's one of those things. I think it, it hits an emotional beat. It's clever. It's funny. You know, it's that's the, another thing about Sherlock. It is funny. It's not like you watch the show for humor. It's not like, it's kind of like the MCU in a lot of ways. You don't watch any of the Avengers right. movies for the humor, except, you know, maybe right, <laughs> Thor right, Ragnarok right, right, or right. Guardians of the Galaxy or Ant-Man. But like, when you watch the films, there's just these little quips or these little moments that happen. And you're like, oh, that's actually really funny. And it, make, it gives you a little bit of a smile when the plot is kind of plodding along at certain points. It brings up that little moment of, oh, ah, <laughs> that sort of thing. That's what Sherlock does a lot as well. And I think that Series 3, Episode 2, The Wedding One, that on uh, is like everything i love about sherlock to a t it, it's just excellent man well i'm excited i, I'm I want to go watch one right this second it'd be fun to do like uh, when i actually do start watching them i'll message you and say like hey this is the Please one do. i'm on like I'll, I'll tell you and then of course you know response episode you'll get the full you'll get the i'm full, very excited for that the, yeah it's gonna be great uh but this episode may be coming to an end but the work is just beginning mike has given us the uh, the script to become huge fans of the bb show bbc show sherlock and for the response edition of this episode, I'll be spending the week taking as much of his advice and, of course, you know, watching a lot of shows, uh, as many as I can fit in, and uh, Elise and I will report back to you in the uh, response episode next week. In the meantime, I hope you'll uh, try his advice too, or if you can add more to the conversation with your own expertise, please do so. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at like2, that's the number two, like2, like things. You can also leave a message on the like line at 661-279-0130 or via email at I like to like things podcast at gmail.com. Now I'll read or play any messages on that episode too if they're positive. Obviously, uh, Mike shares my enthusiasm for positivity. So anything that you like about this show, make sure it's that you're telling us what you like. I will give a pass on this. If you hate the, uh, the this this uh, this eighteen uh, hundreds episode, that's okay. You can you can dump on it there. I'll give you a, everyone a, a hall pass on that. Um, if you'd like to be on the show or you have a friend that wants to share, contact us using the same channels. You can also support us via Patreon at patreon.com slash I like to like things. Now, Mike, where can people find you on social media? Uh, the best, uh, best place to find me is at Genuine Chit Chat. Uh, that's on Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook. Um, and I post about whenever I guest on other people's shows, which I've been doing quite a lot recently. Um, I post the photos of the comics and things I tackle on my Star Wars show. Um, I post snippets for some of my conversations with Genuine Chit Chat. So like every time I have a conversation with a new person, it's normally a snippet of 30 seconds to a minute or so. So there's random stuff on there that I post as well about often when when the world isn't in lockdown and whatnot, when I'm off doing things, I love going to museums and all kinds of other stuff. So it's just, it's the best way to find me. I post on all of them, uh, Instagram and Twitter, probably the most. Um, and for clarity, Star Wars Comics in Canon, if anyone wants to find that, is on the feed of Comics in Motion, which is a podcast network feed uh, where there's a different show basically every day of the week about movies, comics, nerd stuff, all kinds of different stuff. And I'm honored to have my Star Wars show out on Saturdays. So Star Wars Comics in Canon on Saturdays on Comics in Motion and Genuine Chits Chat, new episodes out every Sunday. And you can find me at Genuine Chits Chat. 
and all the usual social media places. And thank you so much for having me, Chris. It's been so much fun. To lead off of that, genuinely, this was a pleasure. Uh, your enthusiasm for the show is intoxicating. I'm so excited. Listening to you talk about it makes me want to already be a fan. Like, I feel like I'm already a fan without even... <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like almost yeah. I'm cheating because I'm already a fan of Martin Freeman and Benedict Cumberbatch. See what I did there? I said his name correctly. I do know what it is. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm already a fan of them. I already think they're great. I think they're brilliant. I love everything that they're in. So, like, I do get to the, the added advantage of going into this being already fans of the actors so that makes me really happy mm -hmm. but mike thank you so much um you ever need a guest for your show i am there we can talk about anything i'm really excited that's not an if like you are coming on my show like we can't have the 20 plus minute preamble we had before press and record like we can clearly talk about anything so i'm gonna nap you you're gonna come on my show we chat star wars sherlock and all kinds of other craziness just for an hour or two because uh, that's that's all i want to do so yeah it's not right. an invitation it's a demand you are coming on it's genuine chit chat and there's nothing you can do about that i'm afraid <laughs> well i'm there i'm so excited <laughs> But I will see you all next week when the mission is accomplished. And remember, we can make the world a little brighter, a little friendlier, and a little more enjoyable by liking a few more things. 